everyone, welcome to episode three of the Yogi Misfit Session Summer Series. That was a tongue twister today. Before we dive into the show here, I wanted to remind everybody that we are now on Spotify. So come and find us under the Yogi Misfit Sessions or Danny Palm Plume. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Without further ado, here goes episode three of the Summer Series. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Yogi Misfit Session Summer Series. I'm Danny Pomploon. And I'm Susanna Friedman. And welcome to the show. We can't believe you've stuck with us this far. <laughs> it wasn't, have we been that bad? No, I just, you know, when we get talking, sometimes it can get off the rails. Well, I mean, yeah, what were we talking about? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey, Danny. <laughs> so if you're just happen to be tuning in to this episode um it's just been me and Susanna offering nothing but shenanigans no we've been um we've been answering questions from uh from you guys uh, uh for this special summer series uh people were asking in about teacher questions people were ta- uh, asking about just everyday like practical questions but we took a little Facebook and Instagram poll and uh, we divided it up into four episodes, um, and this episode is called Taking Yoga Off the Mat. This, I'm really excited about, Susanna. Me, three. Why are you so excited? Well, because, you know, the real yoga isn't really just on the mat. Like, we live in yoga. Yoga is happening all the time around us. We mm-hmm. don't, you know, we don't create it or uncreate it. We just step into the river of it. Right. And um, and so it's most impactful for people like for our own lives and for people around us when we really do yoga off the mat in our relationships, in the way we conduct ourselves, um, the standards we hold ourselves to, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's more than just the physical part of it. It dives a little bit deeper. For sure. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So, the first thing um, that well, the first question that we got: what's the difference between asana and a yoga practice? I mean, that's kind of I mean, I guess it's simple for me. I understand it, but th- let's have you break it down, Susanna. What do you think the difference is? Okay, well, just for people who don't who aren't up on the Sanskrit, um, asana is the physical practice, um, and so the. I don't know that I would say there's a difference between asana and the yoga practice. I would say that asana is one part of a yoga practice. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. So like just going on your mat um, and following your breath and um, trying to be present, that is good work. Like that is totally part of yoga. Um, I think a full practice, like I just said, is when you try to live it in that way, try to live consciously in that way, um, moment to moment, which is just, you know, that's really the hard work. Like that's really the advanced shit. So will you break down just so that people know, like, uh, I mean, I, uh, yeah, just to break it down a little bit. So there is asana is a part of the yogic path. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to people what the eight limb path is and kind of like, and maybe just like little cliff notes of the yamas and the niyamas, just in case people aren't used to knowing this, but like, it's pretty much what I consider all that. It's like the standards or the, um, 
the guidance to follow of like how to be a good person? Sure. So um, the type, the lineage that uh, asana comes from, comes from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And in the Yoga Sutras, um, Patanjali lays out the eight limbs of yoga, like the eight steps, the eight things that we work with in order to, at some point, reach samadhi, which would be just absorption back into pure consciousness and bliss. So the first, I'm just going to go through no that. big, No big deal. Just absor- absorption back into consciousness. Yeah. And no big deal. Just like, you know. Every, casual Saturday. <laughs> yeah, just like a casual, easy Thursday morning. Great. Um, so the eight limbs are the yamas. These are our restraints and the way that we discipline ourselves morally, um, kind of like our vows we make to ourselves and mm-hmm. to, you know, God. Um, mm-hmm. Niyamas, which are... Um, our duties kind of on a more social level, like the social construct. Right. Uh, asana is the third one, which means, which means seat or posture, but we, we use that word for all of our physical practice. Right. Pranayama, which is breathing techniques. Prana also means energy and yama again is restraint. So it's actually um, learning how to harness the energy through the breath. Uh, pratyahara is sense withdrawal, meaning that we kind of stop letting our awareness be pulled by, um, sounds that we hear things that we see. Like it's basically being like, don't always look at the shiny objects. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you can like keep it in check and stay centered regardless of where your senses are trying to pull you. Mm -hmm. Uh, dharana is focused concentration. So it's, watching one thing um and or or thinking of one thing without uh deviation without losing that thing at all Mm -hmm. to the point where if you're using drishti like if you're staring at something it's to the point where you can't tell the difference between yourself and the thing you're staring at Mm -hmm. dhyana is absorption in that thing meaning the energy between the thing you're thinking of or looking at and you um, the energy is freely flowing between and there is less, there's not any separation. Does that make sense? Yep. The last, the last two are, or the, those two can get a little bit funky. And then the last one is Samadhi, which is bliss or enlightenment or absorption into consciousness. And there are varying levels of Samadhi. Um, like we can experience little bits of it all the time. And then there are those beings that kind of are just in that state. So when we practice these things, it's it's more than just you going to a yoga class and like doing the things that the teacher tell you to do, but then you go and you practice like self-study, self-care, uh, so on and so forth. And that is what starts to define taking, you know, your, your, your asana, just the one physical part of it into an actual yogic practice. Totally. And I think for most of us, like, um, I said this, uh, I said this last time I, on one of our previous episodes, but um, my teacher's teacher, Dharma Mitra, says no yamas, no yoga. Right. Um, so like no, um, you know, if you can't stick to kind of the moral observances and the vows that you keep to yourself, it's very hard to do the rest of the work. And I like to call it like, you know, I don't really remember what episode it was, but my friend Alyssa was on the show and she was talking about the yamas and the niyamas, but it's basically like how to be a good human, like how to, how to better yourself and the people around you as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I love it. I always say that yoga is like 
basically how not to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Don't be a douche. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next question we got is what books to start with or read? So taking your yoga off the mat and into, you know, like an actual practice, like what are some good books to start with? I am actually sitting in my very fancy podcast studio, which is um, my bedroom floor and yeah. a kitchen chair table where my microphone is on and then my butt on a pillow. I and I'm staring see, at all of my books. I wish you could see my podcast studio right now. What is it? It's basically a trash hole. <laughs> I'm moving this weekend. Uh -huh. Yeah, so you know, just a nice sattvic pure space to get a clear mind. I'm basically living in like a dumpster. Anyways, going. I'm pr proud. So I'm staring at my. I mean, I'm looking at my library of books right now, and I can start to name all of them because they're all really awesome. But what are your favorites and why? And I have a feeling that we're going to have one. I I'm fingers crossed that we have one book that we both love the same. And I think I know which one it is. Go ahead. You go first. Sure. If I, I, if I interrupt you and get excited, it's because it was the book. Right. I think it's actually, we might have two books in common possibly. Okay. So the cat, I, the cat in the hat and Oh, the places you'll go. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> How did you know? Oh man. Places you'll okay. go is actually a great book. It is a great yoga book. Um, okay. So I would say start with the Bhagavad Gita. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, and I think that it is accessible at so many different levels. On a base level, I mean, the word, the name Bhagavad Gita means song of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So on a very base level, it's a beautiful story written in really beautiful language that is just kind of a pleasure to read. You know, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and then like at every level, there is something for you. Yeah. Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Like it's, I, a, it's a really good story. Yeah. And I, um, you know, it was the book that changed Gandhi's life. Right. Um, and I have my first copy of the Bhagavad Gita that I ever owned. I now have like many different translations and many different copies. But I go back to that one all the time because it's so interesting to see what drew my attention when I was reading it before versus what's drawing my attention now. Right. Like there, it just, there is always something for you. So I say hands down, start with the Bhagavad Gita. I have a recommendation for everybody too. Um, the, the, the one that I like the most, I have a couple. Um, I have the one that actually you, Susanna gave me the blue cover. I'm looking for it on my shelf right now. Where is it at? Um, uh, no, that was another one. That was the sutras. Actually, I'm thinking of a wrong book. Oh, here it is. I found it. It's the it's the Bhagavad Gita, and it's the it, is it East Warren East War, East yeah. Warren copy? Yeah, Eknath Iswaran. Yeah, E A S W A R A N. Really good read. Yeah, that one oh. is really great because it gives you the synopsis of what's going on, and then it um, goes into the text. Yeah. Um. Other ones, you know, it's kind of like the Living Gita is what we use for the Love Story Yoga teacher training. It's so okay. beautiful and incredible because it's also filled with anecdotal stories and then little parts that like um, are leading up to this where the Bhagavad Gita starts or 
um, you know, just more stories about little intricate parts of the Gita. And that one um, is different because it goes through the verses and then it interrupts itself to tell like Swami Sachinanda will explain that verse and tell a story or whatever. So if you want to just read it through without interruption, the Ishvaran version is really, really good. Um, if you let, if it works for you, that learning style of like reading something and then having an anecdote about it, the, the living Gita is really good. I love it. What's your next favorite book? Um, Oh God, this is too hard. I think an important book for people who are on the spiritual path to read is cutting through spiritual materialism. That's a tough one though. Why? It's just, it's a lot to digest. Oh, for sure. That, that's right. That's a great book. I have it right here, actually. And it's good. I'm not taking away from it. I think that it's tough. Yeah, you're right. I forgot that. What are we starting with? Yeah, what are we starting with? Here's what I have. Sure. Darren Maine's Yoga and the Path of the Urban Mystic. Nice. Uh-huh. Great book. Breaks down the stuff that we just talked about earlier in everyday life. So it kind of demystifies like the yamas and the niyamas. And he's just really funny. Like the way he writes this book and the way he talks in this book is just like you would, like you were talking to a normal person on the street. You know, it's not so hard to digest. It is one of my favorite books. Um, and I, 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 in my teacher training, it's a required reading. I make everyone read this book because I think it's such a great way to just like, you're like, oh, okay, this is, this stuff is really relatable. Yeah. Um, I guess my other one actually would be the yoga sutras themselves can be a little bit hard to dive into. Mm -hmm. Um, so actually the next one, which we also use in the love story teacher training is the path of the yoga sutras by Nikolai Bachman. Okay. And, um, it goes through, I think it's 52 of kind of the main, ideas in the sutras mm -hmm. so it breaks them down in a way that is much less esoteric mm -hmm. much more applicable modern language um so i would start i would actually start with that before even reading the sutras because i think it gives you like a really solid foundation to then step into the more um sort of like particularity of the sutras Right, right. And then my last one, I was hoping that this one, I don't know if this is one of your recommendations or if you've read it in a long time, but like one of the best books out there that just like describes all of yoga is The Heart of Yoga. Yeah. Such a good book. But it goes through everything. It goes through the start, where it came from, the pranayama, the yamas, the niyamas, like all of that stuff. It's just all in there and it's really digestible. Yeah. And there's a reason why that book is on like almost every teacher training reading list. Because it's so good. It's so good. And it, yeah, like you said, it's so digestible. So digestible. And Cat in the Hat. <laughs> and Cat in the Hat. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I would do Cat in the Hat or if I would do, oh, the places you'll go. The Giving Tree is very yogic. Oh, God. Break it's also heart. one to make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> the Giving Tree is really yogic. Actually, even Oh, the Places You'll Go is really yogic. Kind of getting you out of your own way to like experience Samadhi. Yeah. Kids' books are great. They're the best. All right. That's the books. The last one I have, or actually there's two more topics, so we can get to them both. But yoga, like taking your yoga off the mat into social impact. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? How do you do it? 
what do you do? How do you start? Um, well, you know, as this, I don't know if for our audience, maybe it doesn't sound cheesy, but sometimes I feel kind of cheesy saying it. Like I really, really, really do try to live, live my yoga. So Mm -hmm. like, I really do try to be as kind to people as I can, even strangers, even people who are treating me poorly. Like I'm not, believe me, I'm not a doormat as, as, um, any, (laughs) anyone who's ever taken class with me knows. Um, but you know, I really do try to live by those principles as much as I can. So that's the first thing is like we talked about in the beginning, just bringing it into your life. Mm-hmm. The other things I do kind of like as a teacher and to help remind students is, um, well, actually every Thursday morning, I teach a class at Flying Studios in Oakland at 930. Mm-hmm. And um, all of my earnings from the rest of the for the rest of the year from that class go to Planned Parenthood. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's little stuff like that or like doing, um, you know, fundraisers and um, donating, donating to a cause that you feel strongly about. Like I just taught for Rise, um, which is bringing yoga into high schools, mm-hmm. which I love. So there are a bunch of things like as a teacher and a student, like there are a bunch of like events that you can do and classes that you can go to that actually are really beneficial to um, like people other than yourself. I think there's so many ways to, to, I mean, all those ways are great, but I think that also, you know, letting people, I guess, reminding people that just start in your community, Yeah. you know, start, you know, it doesn't have to be something like huge and big and bold, although it can be. Um, but start something small in your community, you know, go teach, you know, it's a good one. Go teach at a public school, like just get the tea, like to, for free, go like maybe once out of the year, go teach all the teachers, a restorative class. They deserve it. That is making an impact. Yeah. You know, like that's a part of it. And then, you know, I'm a big, obviously, you know, that I'm a big believer in all the charity events and I try to support as much charity as I, as I can, you know, whether it's homeless youth or that's my big one is like the homeless youth thing. But yeah, just so many things that you can do with it yeah, that you, I mean, yeah, that's the easiest way to say it. There's so many things that you can do charity event wise. You can go help out other people. Um, but also practicing your yoga in your day-to-day life and being mindful of how you do things and what you're doing, like consumption and so on and so forth. That also has a social impact. For sure. And you know, the way that you are and the way that you live your yoga um, that's what draws other people to change. It's mm-hmm. seeing how you're living it. It's not hearing about it or reading about it. It's right. being in the presence of someone who is really living it is really transformative. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's actually like walking, you're walking your talk. For sure. Yeah, exactly. All right, we have time for one more. Okay. Um, the last one is, what should yogis eat and what kind of conscious food choices should they make? Oh man. I am enlightened. So I just breathe air. I don't really eat these days. Yeah. Um, you answer first. Uh, what should yogis eat? Okay. Yeah. Let's dive into this. Um, I, uh, it's, you know, I've taught at studios and I always get like, uh, you know, what do you, you know, what do you want to eat this weekend? Are you a vegan? Are you a vegetarian? And I'm like, none of those things. Um, well, we'll pause on that for a second. I was none of those things. And, um, you know, I kind of just, I, yeah, I ate whatever for a really long time. I ate processed foods. I ate a ton of meat. I ate da, 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 da. And then I think 
was it me and you were talking about this recently when I started doing all this meditation stuff and I started diving deeper into meditation and into studying more of the yoga practice, what I'm starting to realize is how much karma do I want to take with me in this life to the next life? Now, that's not to say that I'm 100% vegan or that I'm 100% vegetarian because I'm human and I'm still going through my journey. But for me personally, I don't eat a special type of yogic diet. You can go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and get a brand new – and just so you guys know, Ayurveda is like the, uh, the science of, of uh, science of yoga, you would call it, yeah? Um, yeah, I mean it's – yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, and there are special diets that you can get you know, from a practitioner. What I would say is to be conscious of the things that you're doing. So what came up for me while I was – and it was funny. It actually came up on food. What came up for me was that I used to eat a lot of meat and just not think about it. And that's not a bad thing per se. But for me, as I start to study more, whatever it is that I'm putting into my body – I want to be more conscious of it. You know, I actually want to know where it's coming from and how it's being treated. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's like, I, mean, I actually, I want to be more mindful, more mind. That's what it is. I want to be more mindful as to what is going into my body. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I think that that's a great answer. And I think the thing that, you know, I, um, I have been vegan. I've been raw um, I've been vegetarian and not for like a month, like for long periods of time. Um, you know, maybe this is my story. I don't, we don't need to analyze it. Um, I, I have some autoimmune health issues and mm -hmm. I had, and I really didn't want to eat meat because of the practice and my beliefs. Um, and then I had Western doctors tell me that I should eat meat. And I was like, Oh, of course you're a Western doctor, you know? And then I had, um, like I've had doctors of Tibetan medicine uh, and other doctors from the more Eastern traditions tell me like, you need to eat a little bit of meat for yourself, like for your system that is going to be more healthy. And so the thing that I liked about what you said was that we just have to be aware of the karma that we're taking on. So right. like when I do eat meat, I have a whole ritual for myself that I do. Um, yeah. and I am really grateful and I really, really try to thank the animal. And I also acknowledge that I'm taking on this karma and, right. you know, for me right now, like that's, that's just where I'm at. And I, and I have to be okay with that. Cause I have a lot of self judgment about that too. Sure. And I, I also think too, like, not only that, like, I mean, it, this is good. This is now turning into like more diet stuff, but like your everyone's body's different. So you can't just say that an Ayurvedic diet is good for you, that a vegan diet is good for you, that this diet is good for you because everyone's body is completely different. So I would say, I mean, to put a pretty little bow on this, you got to eat what feels right and what actually fuels you and like, and where it's feeling good, not just feeling good physically, but actually feels okay. You know? Yeah. And I want to put a, um, what goes on top of a bow. Maybe like a yeah. flower in the bow or something. The tag, the pretty little name tag that you put on it. The little name tag. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, in one of the first sadhanas that I did with my teacher, we were going through the yamas and ahimsa, kindness, non-harming. And she was like, you know, so that in yogic, in a yogic way um, and uh, historically means like not eating meat. And, mm -hmm. um, and she was like, but you know what's just as bad or worse than eating meat? judging the people who eat meat. <laughs>
Um, so like, you know, I had to take that in for myself, like judging myself for it. Um, yeah. even yeah. about other people, but so. same I, elitist in anything isn't good. And someone that's going to, uh, for me, it doesn't work for someone to have their agenda shoved down my throat. I don't want to hear it because I don't do that to anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we've covered all of the topics in today's session. Perfect. That means we're down to one more and that's going to be so sad. I know. Well, I guess we'll just have to do more together. We can do like a, a winter warm-up session. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> winter Wonderland with Danny and Susanna. Come explore the wonderful world of yoga. Where we, we and at the start of every episode for that uh, winter series, we sing Christmas carols. Well, I don't want to be exclusive, but what if we um, somehow figured out a way to make the sound of snow? Okay, let's do it. You got this. <laughs> okay. I think we're done here. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> Until the next Yogi Misfit Summer Session, this is Danny and Susanna saying peace out. Bye.